Thank you for joining today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. And thank you for having a desire to be your best at work and helping your organization achieve success. This podcast focuses on tactical actions to improve workplace culture, and these tactics align to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Now that we are several months out of from New Year's, I'm going to share my New Year's commitment. It's my way of holding myself accountable. This year, I decided to think about what would move me out of my comfort zone. I immediately thought about my natural tendency to be an introvert. When I go to an event where I don't know people very well, it feels dreadful. As I travel to the event, I create a strategy for how to do the least required by enough to exit and head back to my room. And prior to going, I'm even trying to find a way to excuse myself not to go. That's almost always unsuccessful, so I go to plan B, exit as soon as possible. Ironically, I enjoy people and conversations I have with them. It's going into a room and taking the initiative to engage with others. That's the problem. I marvel at people who do that well. Sometimes I watch what they do to see if I can find a way to feel more natural. This year, I'm working on facing this discomfort. Every year, our company has an annual meeting. This year, we were asked to read an article that gave me a perspective that's helping me reframe my thinking. The article is, The Future is Dodgeball written by Andy Kessler in the Wall Street Journal. It's helping me shift how I think about conversations with people at events. Similar to other leaders, I feel compelled to transfer my learning to our team. So this quarter, I'm going to commit to do one thing with our team. At a group session, I'm going to ask our team, including me, to get offline and talk to each other. Here's the structure. We'll close our computers and mobile devices and talk to each other, asking about the work each of us does, and ideas for how we might get better at what we do. We'll partner with someone we don't normally connect with at work when we're doing our jobs. The first partner will ask the other to describe something they recently tried at work that was different than what they normally do. And then the other partner will have two minutes to respond. The first partner will ask this question to their partner, based on what you learned, if you could do one thing differently that might make the work better, what would you do? And the partner will have two additional minutes to respond. And the first partner will then have two minutes to offer insights on what was learned, ask more questions, and gather possible ideas. And then we'll reverse the roles with the same activity. We'll gather as a group when we complete the exercise and discuss what we learned about engaging in this type of one-on-one conversation. And why in the world would we do this? First, by talking, we come up with innovative ideas or new ways of doing things. And some of our best answers are with the people in our organizations. And second, I want to challenge our team to make this part of their practice when they're talking to others. Third, I I want them to hold me accountable to get off my device and talk to people. What I think we'll find is we can learn from most anyone, especially those we don't normally connect with at work. When we complete this activity, We'll commit to doing more of this with other people. We'll learn from others, those we know and those we don't know. And we will intentionally engage in situations to talk to others and learn something new. Connecting back to the article, The Future is Dodgeball, I'm asking our team to play dodgeball. 
In the article, Andy Kessler starts the article advising us to pay attention to what's coming up next in the world by letting the balls whizzing by hit us. I don't know about you. There are some days I feel the balls coming at me. I feel like I can't dodge enough to get out of the way. It's exhausting to dodge the balls whizzing by. Kessler challenges us to think differently about the balls coming at us. Our tendency is to see things out of reach. When we engage and start talking with others, we embrace the flying balls. Here's the example he used to explain more. The article presents a story about a young entrepreneur gaining advice from an expert colleague. The young entrepreneur started by asking a question about the latest technology tools. The expert said that he didn't know about that topic. The expert diverted the conversation to talk about starting his company and the experts he talked to years ago. The entrepreneur became frustrated, wondering why this man was rambling about something he didn't ask about. The expert continued to ramble about events and seminars he attended and how what he heard didn't make sense at first, yet he kept putting himself in the center of conversations. The expert told the young entrepreneur that at the beginning, nothing will make sense. We will feel like balls are coming at us and out of our reach. Then at some point, you'll know you're inside the flying balls. The entrepreneur left thinking this conversation with the expert was a waste of his time. But over the years, he realized this was the best advice he had ever received. The article continues to promote the notion that to be successful in running good organizations, we need to have our opinions about where the world is headed. And the way to form opinions is to go places where the future is discussed. Agree and disagree and listen to others argue. Sift through the thoughts and create a thought of your own and continue to test and refine your thoughts continuously. Read a lot of things, different things. Listen to people, different people. I'm appreciative of our CEO at Huron, Jim Roth, for introducing me to this article. In the next episode, I'll talk to Jim about his article and more. Learning from this article and Jim, I've refocused the way I enter places where I don't know people very well. My goal will be to intentionally engage with people I don't know. I'll ask them what they do and to share their ideas. Listening and probing for more understanding will change the way I see the flying balls coming at me. I'll reach out to form opinions from multiple sources of information and test those with others. I don't want to be right. I want to shape thoughts from wisdom, from the wisdom I gain. Everyone we talk to has something to offer. Here's my favorite sentence in the article. It's not classic networking, but a network of ideas. This type of network is fluid, constantly changing, causing us to rethink, refine, and redo. Coming to work every day with this mindset makes work fun, regardless of the type of work we do. How do we start? We get in the middle of the circle and let the balls come at us. It's uncomfortable at first. We work within the circle to make sense of the flying balls. Sense-making requires face-to-face interaction. Here's the challenge. Let's get off our devices and get in the ring of fire. In that ring, we engage in conversations, ask people questions, listen to ideas and more ideas, connect the ideas in a meaningful way to our own thoughts and other thoughts from what we read, Synthesizing information from multiple sources in the ring of fire, we form our opinions. It's here we live life with wisdom. To add to this story about the value of face-to-face interaction, 
let's look at a few research studies. Let's look at what they tell us about engaging in face-to-face -face communications instead of using our devices. Kuslov, Prolix, and Dunn published a research article in the journal Computers and Human Behavior titled Digitally Connected, Socially Disconnected, The Effects of Relying on Technology Rather Than Other People. They found that people miss out on chances to become connected with others. They provide an example about people using a mobile app to search for directions rather than experience the kindness of a stranger who helpfully provides directions to a store or movie theater. My parents traveled from Pensacola to Augusta, Georgia. I called them along the way to make sure they were okay. At one time, they got lost. Immediately, I asked if they were using Google Maps. Well, of course, they were not. They were reading the direction my mom's brother had provided. Now, I started to panic. My mom said that she was going to pull into the next store and ask directions. And I thought, how crazy. When they were in the store, they learned about where they were. They bought a couple of items and talked to the people in the store. When they got back on the road, they felt at ease and told a short story about the place they stopped and the town they were in. I was having dinner with Sabrina Hebeler at Michigan State University. Before we had dinner, she checked in with someone via her mobile phone. She asked a great question. What did we do before we had devices? How did we get work done? I ask, today when we were in one of the buildings to attend a meeting, do you remember we went to an office because we were unsure where the meeting was and there was no one there? You had to dig deeper into emails to find the room number. Our tendency is to still ask a person for help. Before digital devices, we had staff people and desks with very specific jobs helping people. We don't need people in those jobs as much as we used to. The unfortunate part is that we've lost opportunities to connect and learn from others in places we used to naturally make connections. The connections are still important. Human connections aren't natural anymore. Technology is the solution. Therefore, we have to be intentional about making human connections. It's interesting that people use their phone to socialize, even when they are in the company of others. Last week, we went to eat with, a with our family at a local restaurant on the Causeway in Mobile, Alabama. We headed to the bar to wait for a table. As we sat waiting for our table, we had a couple of laughs together as a family. We walked down the path from the bar to the restaurant where others were waiting on two sides of the hallway. Every person had their heads in their phones as they waited for a table, regardless of their ages. Rather than talking to their families or strangers, people were engaging with devices. So let's look at the impact of combining face-to-face -face and digital. Another study by one of the same authors, Kushlev and his co-author, Heinzelman, found that combining digital and face-to-face -face socializing was not perceived as enjoyable, as enjoyable as putting down the phone and spending time with another person. One part of the research focused on millennials. They found that millennials felt better and more connected with others when they only socialized with others in face-to-face -face interactions. They felt happier with socializing face-to-face -face than they did when only socializing using their phones. Most critically, the researchers found that people in general felt worse and less connected when they mixed face-to-face -face with digital socializing compared to where, when they solely socialized in person. That's the point. When we are interacting with humans, get off our devices. To form opinions that position us to understand the future, we have to be with people and talk with them. When I think about the things that 
are most meaningful in my life, they all include being with people. So this week, try one of these actions. Pick a partner and do the activity I described in this episode. When you need information rather than use your device, go to someone and ask for help and engage in a conversation with them. Broaden your experience to learn from someone else. When you are at a meeting or event, engage with others rather than with your device. Use extra waiting time to talk to someone else. I close with this short story. Recently, I was with a client organization. We were rolling out the employee engagement results and how the executive team members, the direct reports to the executive leader, responded to the survey items. In this organization, they have a question that says, I have opportunities to engage in the work environment outside of the work I do. One of the staff members who has been in an administrative assistant role for many years said she did not rate that question with a high score. When we asked her, she said that in her earlier years, people came to her to ask questions. She went to them. Or they congregated in places to engage with others. She told us that she missed those times together with others and that she didn't feel like she knew as many people and that she was as valuable as she used to be. Several of the newer executive leaders added that they had heard similar stories from long-tenured faculty and workers. They talked about how they used to play cards at the lunch in a common lunch area. They talked about a communication board that was in the cafeteria where people posted pictures and notes of good work and accomplishments, as well as special events that occurred in people's lives. The longer-tenured leaders smiled at the memories. I asked, what would it take to do something like that again, even if not the same things? What does that same type of intentional engagement with people look like today? Let's leave today thinking about ways to intentionally build opportunities to engage with others, talk with each other, learn from each other, cry with each other, and laugh with each other. It's difficult to find wisdom in life when we live behind our screens and earbuds. Let's intentionally create ways to engage with each other so that we embrace the balls flying around us to build a better future together. Let's put our devices down from time to time and build our future together with the wisdom we gain from others. The future is indeed dodgeball. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. I look forward to connecting with you on our next episode focused on the nine principles for organizational excellence. Have a great week.